Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Escaping Kerberos, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by the only thing in my life that is mauve and dangerous. It's Amy. I'm not mauve. What, what color are I'm you? I'm definitely then? dangerous. But... <laughs> you have to give yourself your I'm own color a... code to be dangerous. What, 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 what color do you count? Lilac. Lilac. You're really going <laughs> yes, for the word that you say gonna... weirdly. Yes, everyone's all going to be like, why don't you say such a lilac? Yes, I know, it's lilac. I say lilac. Let's deal with it. Let us know on. in the comment section down below whether you say lilac with a U or lilac with an A. Well, everyone's going to say lilac, aren't they? Yeah, because because they're right, mm, Amy. Well, I'm not, so <laughs> deal with it. But welcome to the day that your childhood fears return to you in swathes, because today... It is episode number nine, aired on the 21st of May, 2005, The Empty Child. I was very, very, very tempted to add the F word in between empty and child because, oh my God, (laughs) I hate this kid. Are you my mummy? This podcast is over. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm going to go cry in a (laughs) corner. see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week when the doctor dances. Hopefully I'll have stopped crying by then. But this is where... Doctor Who really stuck to me because it scared me so damn much. Though See, all the fun stories about me being scared will be for next week because I relate yeah. them more specifically to the Doctor dances, and I will be covering that next week. Mm. What about you? See, I didn't. I don't remember finding this episode so scary. Like the, I can understand as an adult woman why. It is scary, and actually, I do find it like inherently creepy. Um, like I said to you when we were watching it, it's that thing of like it being repeated over and over and over again that sort of is like you can't get anything but this word out of this child or this phrase out of this child. And I think that's what makes it so kind of weirdly uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't like I don't remember being frightened. Um, I think, I don't know why, because it just didn't feel quite as much of a threat as, like, some things do. Like, Cough Cough the Weeping Angels, which was my absolute horrific nightmare of an episode that I experienced. But we'll get to that. Um, it's, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, re- I Like, I remember watching it, but I remember not finding it that scary, I think. I was the complete opposite, as I have said, on this <laughs> podcast and on multiple times on the Who Culture YouTube channel to just people when talking about Doctor Who. This was... <laughs> just generally. This is, to this day, going to be the sort of definitive part of my childhood that scared me. Like, we mm. all have those things we go back to um, that you can... Like, the scariest moments of your childhood. Like, for me, one of them was stupidly watching Shaun of the Dead on Channel 4. <laughs> Uh, okay. I can't remember how old I was, but the scene when Matey gets pulled through the window at the pub and gets his intestines ripped out... Yeah, no, no thank you um hot fuzz first time i ever watched that terrified me 
I mean, hooded, I can see hooded why. figures, beheadings, Tim Messenger getting impaled mm. by a goddamn church spire. Church spire, yeah. yeah that's that's that is the one bit uh, of that film that sticks with me. Yeah. And I've only seen it once. You've only seen Hot Fuzz once. <laughs> yeah, when you showed it to me. What? Right, we need to rectify this. Um, <laughs> we're gonna watch it again because I love Hot Fuzz. Um, but that the, those two things, along with watching Torchwood, when I was probably mm. too young to watch Torchwood, um, Very, as we've already as we've discussed before. Um, that and The Empty Child were the things that scared me the most as a kid. And going back to this episode now, you know, 15 years later, I would have been 10 Oof. when this aired. We're 25 now. Oof. As much as it doesn't scare me, it's still creepy. There's something about... There is partially the fact that I obviously associate it with basically childhood trauma. Yeah. But... <laughs> Going back to it, and as we said last week, it's cool to go back and watch this and analyse the whole feeling, the tone, the cinematography, the music, even down to the colour palette, everything just accentuates the fear. Creepy. The creepiness, yeah. That's what it is. It is creepy. There are... I mean... You have the outright scary moments, or the scary moment that we will get to. Um, Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it's just the atmosphere that creeps you out so much. I mean, it is sort of during the height of the London Blitz. So I suppose that's kind of like the perfect backdrop for something that is like imminent. The setting itself just, yeah. I mean, there is nothing I think more haunting to me than the sound of an air raid siren. Mm. So hearing that. I'm I'm very glad we never had to live through that. (laughs) And hopefully we won't have to. Um, Fingers crossed. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Lol. there's there's so much about this episode that works so well and mm. there's a good reason why this episode i think it, i don't know whether it was the empty child and the doctor dances as a whole uh mm. oh no sorry yeah it was the two-part story got the uh 2006 hugo award for best Ooh, dramatic presentation what's a hugo award no idea but i know that Great. it's something important it's an award. and doctor who has won quite a few of them <laughs> and empty child was one of the things that won fair enough um speaking of cinematography some of the shots in this episode yeah oh, there's oof, the one shot that always stands out beautiful. to me is the shot of the doctor looking at the phone in the hallway of the house mm. and nancy stood in the background it's kind of a wonky it's angle. It's like a wonky angle. It? I think the field of view is slightly Got wider. Like a wide angle lens. And, uh, and it's yeah. a really sharp shot. Mm-hmm. Like when you look, because we're, like I said, we, we're watching the uh, the sort of remastered inverted commas Blu rays uh, that were recently, I say recently, this is a couple of years old, this particular release. It's the Steelbook with the art by whatever but her name is. The um, most um, recent. It's the most release. recent release of Series 1, I think. Uh, they might have done a rebranded one with the new branding and stuff. But anyway. Um, it's a re- it's a beautiful shot. Mm. Um, rest of some that- of the shots, like the one that I said to you when it's over the hospital, over Albion Hospital Gate, and it sort of comes from like the top left, pans over the name of it, comes all the way down. So you see Equiston like walking back through the gates, and then comes down to the floor. Oh, I was it's just really like, nice, oh my yeah. god, it's so pretty. <laughs> Albion Hospital is also another thing that's um, a self reference because obviously Albion Hospital is where Tosh was. And yeah, I did think I recognised it. Albion Hospital mm. isn't real, by the way. I, no, I'd I always gathered. figured it was a real hospital in London because it gets, it gets name-dropped twice. Obviously, mm. I know it's just reusing the sets, kind of, even though you don't really see the Albion Hospital sets yeah. or the rooms like you do in Empty Child as you did in uh, Aliens of London. But mm-hmm. I just thought it was like a landmark. It was just like, hey, we're British. Hey, we're in, we're in yeah. London. Obviously, this actual building, I'm pretty certain, is in Cardiff. Um, yeah probably i thought it was a real building but alas but um it is not it's not but let's talk about the big man at the top not russell t davies but mr stephen moffat oh yeah these two episodes good stuff (laughs) i was thinking about the second word was gonna be good grief i was thinking i was no i was going to say something slightly naughtier than stuff (laughs) (laughs) that took me a second then thinking hang on Oh, right. Okay. I get it. Um, yeah, this was uh, Stephen Moffat's first uh, contribution to New Who that wasn't mm. uh, The Curse of Fatal Death, which I'm pretty certain you haven't watched either. No. That's ah, a shame. It's, I mean, I might have done it. You, might, you may have really, done it. It's a, it's a, it's a really comic relief it. special from like, I don't know whether it's 1999 or 2001. I can't remember wow. off the top of my head. I probably haven't watched it. Um, then, given but it was we made, it was made for comic relief. It was 1999. Uh, with uh, Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor, uh, and it's really funny. I might have to watch it it's, afterwards. It's very good. Um, 
and obviously that Russell must have said, I mean, I think Moffat was very much one of those people that during the hiatus period where he was just always present. Like, as we've mm. said, so much of New Who, especially the Russell T Davies era, is made up of people who were basically just fans during yeah. the show and then during the hiatus who were pining to get it back. So they thought they figured, you know, who's, who's better to bring him to, to help bring the show back than these people who've been, who've been, for lack of a better phrase, gagging for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So they got Russell, oh, uh, Russell they got uh, Stephen in to pen these episodes and this was the start of a relationship between I think the viewership and Stephen prior to him getting the keys to the show where mm. whenever we see written by Stephen Moffat come up in the titles you go oh good I'm going to probably crap myself and mm-hmm. cry myself to sleep. He did Blink as well. He did Blink. Um, yeah. He did all was- sorts. I'm trying to think of the specific ones that he wrote prior to taking over the show uh let me just i'm just gonna very quickly double check oh he did um empty child doctor dancers girl in the fireplace and blink right so he did oh girl in the fireplace is a girl in the fireplace is incredible again another episode that won i want to say it won a huge oh no no it didn't win a huge i really like that episode that's one of those episodes that i still forget about and then it happens and i'm like yeah this is a good episode blink got some baftas surprisingly um Mm. So, so yeah, it took me a good few watches of Blink before I could watch it and not be absolutely <laughs> like scared out my pants. Do you know what I mean? Um, so we always had this really positive outlook of, of Moffat, especially when he took over the show, because as soon as they, the BBC had said, or it was the rumour that Russell was leaving and Stephen was going to get the keys to the show, everyone was really excited. And then it kind of went a bit weird with Moffat at the helm, but we'll get to that um, in series I five. I mean... I sort of, I don't know. I don't hate Moffat's era. I don't like, hate it. I, at but... all. Like, I, I, Matt Smith is personally one of my favourites. Like, you know, I'd say Tennant is probably my fave. And then it's yeah. like Matt Smith. Um, but Matt Smith's my Northamptonian homeboy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not the point. Anyway. Um, but I didn't, like, I didn't, everyone's sort of like, oh, Moffat did such a bad job of this, that, and the other. But I actually, like... Uh, up until maybe like Moffat's last series or like cut some of the Clara stuff or like I didn't hate any of it like I quite enjoyed most of it I think it was through so, the, it was through the middle of his run was where things got a bit ropey I think he managed to mm-hmm. get it back on track by series 10 but anyway but then as I've said this to you in the past like Obviously, Russell. I mean, Russell T Davies era is just king. It's the like, best. I don't think you can top Russell T Davies era like no. ever. Um, but like, obviously, if you write a couple of like really good episodes, like Stephen Moffat wrote, like The Empty Child, Doctor Dances, Blink, Girl in the Fireplace, you're gonna have that kind of like reputation. And then if you take over the keys, you've then got to churn out that kind of standard all the time yeah. and that's not going to happen. The workload it's like, is different you know. and I think that's what threw him off so mm. much. Like the, there are some, there are some stinkers from the Moffat yeah. era, some real stinkers. Um, but I think, yeah, the expectation of of him when he got the keys to the show, because when I found out it was going to be him, the guy who wrote Empty Child, I was like, oh good, A, Doctor Who's going to scare me and B, it's going to get really dark and it didn't. It became, it, didn't. it became a rom-com for two and a half seasons. Mm. But sadly, yeah. Maybe. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Moff- this is Moffat. I still believe, <sighs> apart from Blink, I mean, it's sort of it's it's sort of related. <laughs> yeah, these these two episodes, along with Blink, uh, well, basically anything written by Stephen Moffat during the Russell T Davies era is absolutely Killer. perfect. It's incredible. Um, the way that the uh the narrative goes through the empty child a funny thing you said ames just as we were Mm. getting towards the end of the episode was how you felt like this episode played out like a video game oh yeah i told you i forget when he was in the hospital just as the doctor was was going to hospital yeah and i was like this reminds me of a video game because it feels like you've got the main kind of uh sequence or like quest if you will (laughs) of um of kind of like discovering who the child is and what they're for, and you bump into Nancy, and she's like, "Oh, go to I this have a area quest of the for map. you, Doctor. Do you and accept then she's the like, quest?" 
before you complete your main mission, here's a side quest. Go to the hospital, speak to the doctor, and then you get there, you speak to the doctor, and then stuff goes wrong, and then you're having to deal with that. And it's kind of like a, what was it I said to you? It's like an action adventure sort of thing yeah akin it to it's kind of like you've got like a bit of a linear story-ish thing but like a couple of like diversions here and there that keep the story going when you don't and i was just like i don't know why it's like god of war ps4 for doctor who it's like slight it's like a linear story but it's got some slightly open world elements and that's what's happening here i'd never thought that that out of the two of us the one of us who doesn't work for a gaming YouTube channel. <laughs> I would be, would the be one making to the say comparisons this. to video games. Um, I do watch a lot of video games. I know games. you do, I know. Like, okay. And you with me, you, you, you know. I kind of have to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, you're right. There is this very much a straight path of like the doctor turns up. I, I think I find it amazing how, how naturally Moffat takes this like the doctor chasing a mauve bit of junk through space and eventually through time Mm. and it manages to balloon into this incredible like ridiculous storyline but none of it feels pointless none of it feels like bloat um it's all just so well refined and feels so natural and it's like the thing that i've always found fascinating is how long has moffat potentially been sitting on this concept oh god yeah exactly i i don't know if i ever had or if I have a concept for a Doctor Who story I would love to do, apart from I a sequel don't. to Remembrance of the Daleks in some way. <laughs> because I love it so well, much. Um, because it's Daleks. I know exactly how I'd start it, but... like That's not the point. No. <laughs> like, how long has he been sitting on this idea that he just wants to take further? Like, he might have had, like, 10, 15 years yeah. to just be sitting on this concept for a Doctor Who story, and then he gets given he the opportunity to do it. probably already had it written. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, genuinely, he might have just had this... Um, like this concept lying around for all we know. Also, do we think, just as a slight side point, that if uh, Moffat hadn't sort of produced this episode, that we would have still been introduced to Captain Jack? Because um, obviously we we know that like Captain Jack was kind of like a sort of, not pre-planned, but like a character like his, like, but would have been, so say, like in the... in you know the process of writing the series and the overall arc that they would have like Stephen Moffat obviously comes in and goes hey I've got these characters and they go oh we could use that character to be kind of like an overarching character in the plot or what have you like I don't really know how it would work whether they had a plan for him or whether they didn't but like Captain Jack like we have do we have Moffat to thank for Jack or was Jack I'm just very quickly uh (laughs) checking this now because if uh, we do, thank you, Stephen Buffer. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, he In naming the character, uh, it was Russell. So I think it is a, a Russell creation. So Because this actually ties into a question that we've actually been sent. So if you do have any questions regarding upcoming episodes of the podcast, we record this usually on a Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah, today it's today, a Wednesday, not so much. but that's not uh, the point. <laughs> <laughs> we had a bit caught up with doing stuff. Um Usually record this on a Sunday afternoon. So if you've got any questions regarding the next episode along, so if, obviously if you're listening to this now, if you've got any questions for uh, the Doctor Dancers and we haven't released the episode yet, please let us know. You can either leave it in the mm-hmm. comment section below if you're on the YouTube channel, or you can tweet us at Who Culture or using the hashtag Escaping Custurberus or both, uh, and we'll mm-hmm. hopefully get around to your questions because. Uh, Liam Hall on Twitter asked, do you think Captain Jack was planned to be a recurring character before these two episodes? And the answer to that, Jack, uh, Jack, Liam, not Jack, the character's <laughs> called Jack. The answer to that, Liam, is yes. Uh, he was planned to be in the episode. Whether it was like specifically going to be this episode he'd appear in, because mm. usually, or whether it was like usually the, the showrunner will, will establish the arc of the series and then perhaps pass off particular sort of narrative beats to a specific writer. They will say to Stephen, here you go, do what you like, but you need to add in this character doing this, doing that, doing the other. So Here's a character called Captain Jack. Have fun. Yeah, enjoy. Ooh, I will. He's basically <laughs> oh. like a... Uh, I, I don't want to say hypersexual, because mm, that's more of um, that's more of the Todd <laughs> from Scrubs, um, but he is definitely a character that will hit anything that moves. He just likes sexy things. I, I don't blame him. And if he's and if John, I if like John, him. And if too. John Barrowman came to me and said, "Hey, you want to get freaky with the Jackster?" Then <laughs> what? I'll be like, "Yes, let me hark yourness." I don't know. Uh, what? The, no, <laughs> this is how. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely dreadful but yeah captain okay. jack arrives and um can we just take a moment 
to appreciate John Barrowman. Just yes, a moment of silence, <gasps> almost, just to sit here and <clears throat> yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> I I love I love uh, Captain Jack, and it's it's kind of weird seeing him like not know the Doctor and Rose mm. because like he has this personality where he just clicks with people you see this as the show progresses yeah. when he meets um chantho in series four or series three and he's like hey mm. girl i'm gonna hit them whatever antenna you've things. got on your head let me flick him um oh <laughs> you are so gross. i'm sorry i just want to flick some antenna okay uh, no, stop he just gets on with everyone, and he and so the, the rapport between him, the Doctor, and Rose like kicks in straight away. Like even mm. towards the end of the episode when they're just in the hospital before the, the the cliffhanger, he's already like chatting to them like he knows them, not like they're friends, but he's like super like clear with them. I suppose as a con man though, you kind of once you've been to be caught out, you like... kind of have to be. But I think well, that... it's not even so much that, but like he walks straight up to the Doctor and he's like, "Hello, I'm Jack Harkness. Pleased to meet you." You kind of have to be that kind of like forward, yeah, like. If you're going to be a con man, I mean, I'm I'm not a con man, so I <laughs> cannot confirm or deny that that's a thing. But like, I feel like in that kind of sort of situation, you would have to be very forward because you want them to buy your thing. Yeah. So I suppose he would be, but I know what you mean. He was very much just like a people person. Yeah. And even like his um, relationship with that, uh, whoever it is, the sergeant, the other army bloke we see oh, right yeah. at the beginning, he actually does reappear later on in the, uh, in, in the Doctor Dances. Um, all right but like cool. with him and you know there's jack looking those zooming into rose's butt when she's hanging off the balloon uh, <laughs> excellent bottom and um this guy's like okay and Thanks. then jack turns around you have that fantastic shot of him pulling a smile as he looks over the camera oh. and i i love oh. that it's just like oh. they shot this in such a way to be like this is the guy you want to bang you want to hit that look yeah. at how sexy he is Please appreciate the sexiness. So when, so when Rose gets swept off her feet, almost quite literally by him, you can see why in her eyes she's like, "Holy mm-hmm. crap, Jack, do me!" Like mm-hmm. this is it's like this is the guy. And then when I turned to you, didn't I? And I was like, I find it funny how they framed it, almost yeah. like a kind of we should know who this is, but it's not like a you should already know who this is. It's like you will want yeah. to know. Who it's this almost is. like a, a really subconscious moment of. Oh, as the camera slowly yeah, like zooms a, in there's a white oh vignette and Jack's just there like looking really sexy and all that With hearts all over his yeah face. basically um, <laughs> they really play up to that and they kind of introduce Jack's character as being uh, like you were saying like he plays being straight really well but it's so obvious mm. from before he even meets Rose that I'm guessing he's pretty open because he says yeah. to the other army guy, you've got an excellent bottom too, and he slaps him on the ass. And bear in this mind, in the- 1941, he would have not got away with that. No. And the way This that- is kind of the definition of, I suppose, is it pansexual, where you just kind of are attracted to I think, anything yeah, you're attracted to? There's pan... I, think, I mean, I, I, you don't quiz me on, like... Um, no. Like sexual preferences and stuff, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, pansexual is more like a, yeah, fuck it, whatever. I will... I will- I will touch anything that moves. Yeah, and then I think when I say about hypersexuality, I'm pretty certain that's what they kind of, the lack of a better word, diagnose the Todd with mm-hmm. in Scrubs because he is just like, I'll hit Constant. anything. I'll just, get, I'll have everything. Um, and uh, when when Jack slaps this guy on the ass, he has this sort of like sort of grinny look on his face and it's kind of like, he's mm-hmm. totally hitting that. He is oh, totally hitting that. And we know that you know, being gay back in the war isn't okay, simply down to the fact that there's the torture episode where Jack goes back in time, meets the actual Jack Harkness. Yeah. And he shares a kiss. And there's that, as soon <laughs> as there's that like sniff of him being gay, a lot of people get very concerned. So you can tell that just even with this army bloke, Jack has just already worked this magic as a con man. I mean, like, but also as a beautiful But also man. as someone I would totally <laughs> smash given the option. I mean, we uh, could, I could talk about Jack for a while. <laughs> as she takes a seductive drink out of, like, l- puts a straw around her lips. I know uh. you can't see this, but she, I mean, literally, just as Amy said that, she was like, oh, yeah, I'll have a bit of Jack. And then <laughs> as she gurgles her drink as she's there. It's, I was actually just thirsty. It's almost, that, it's almost that thing where you just sat there, like, sucking the straw and there's nothing. You just get the noise of no liquid because you're just, like, completely lost in his eyes. Like, oh, gimme. <laughs> And it's so it's so interesting seeing Jack not be 
not so much not himself mm. because he's he's trying to hit that as well as be a con man so the con man bit obviously gets dropped very quickly with his character yeah. which is good um but the bits of hey girl <laughs> i'm making a move here like that's still so there so present mm. but seeing him talk to the doctor and rose and not know who they are it's like even though we know this is first appearance i'm there going jack they they're like your bezies man Come i was on. gonna say they they become like family <laughs> yeah i know and i i love i love jack so much hence why when mm, it came to series 12 character we were like squealing when he appeared again except for the fact that it was only five minutes of fan service but we'll come on chris that. bring him back again maybe he'd be back in revolution of the daleks maybe he's gonna be um, the doctor's cellmate or something that'd be great mm, you would hope so also maybe. i'm sorry for people's ears during that, that <laughs> thing i just did because my levels were through the roof oh dear um <laughs> But uh, yeah, there's not like there's there's so much we can talk to about Jack for now. I think most of our conversation about Jack may come in the second part. Yeah, he's this, much because he's much more prominent. In he's, the yeah, he's part. basically there the whole way through. In the same, mm-hmm. like the Doctor Rose and Jack are finally all back together for the rest of this episode. The rest of the uh, the yeah. next episode, the rest of the story, I should say. But um, JB asks just to sort of wrap this little section about Mister Jack up, asking, "What do you think is the best Captain Jack appearance in Doctor Who?" Ooh, uh, you might have to remind me of them. <laughs> well, I I think I know what my favourite one is, and that's mainly because it ties into Torchwood. It's when Jack is, he finds the Doctor for the first time right. after the events of Series 1. Oh, when one, he's running towards when the TARDIS. the Doctor detector goes off in the tar- in the Torchwood hub, and then he sprints to the TARDIS and, and follows it through time and space. I like, actually watched, um, somebody did like an edit of that they put the where scenes they together. the two scenes together, and it's really cool, actually. Obviously not gonna, not gonna spoil anything about that if you are going through this uh, fresh, because Jack does appear in series three and four, and then mm. 12. <laughs> but then he so did a load of Torchwood. Series, series three was that was episode, that. yeah. Those three and episodes, then- yeah. Yeah. Series four was the finale, the two part finale. Uh, Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Was that the one with Martha? Uh, no, Donna's the companion, but uh, Jack's there to begin with with Yanto and Oh, I see. Uh, right. Gwen. No, so I'm I'm confused about like which series is which companion because obviously you said to me the other day that Rose is only in it for two series, and I was like, no, yeah, she no, is. she's in it for more than that. No, right? But yeah, so series one or two is Rose, three and four is Martha. No, three no, is Martha, just four three. is Donna. Yeah, she only did one series. Tennant only did three series. Matt well, Smith okay, technically then. only did three series. Capaldi only um, did three series. So. Series three is the the Martha Utopia thing yeah. that, and then series four is the Stolen Doctor Jenny's Donna, end. Yeah, yeah thing. Right, okay, fab. What would you say is your um, favorite appearance then? Um, I don't know. I quite like the end of this um series where he's with with without too many spoilers the Trini and Susanna bot. And he's like, and they're like, you have That's a, a compact de- laser, laser deluxe. Where were you, Where hiding, were you that? hiding that? <laughs> Again, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, 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 think, I, yeah, completely agree. I mean, I do, yeah, I do quite like, I obviously I do like him coming back in series three, like, because when you see him, you're like, oh my God, yes. He's back, um, my boy. But yeah, I think probably the end of this series is actually like... I mean, like I said, I don't really remember his performances in like the later on bits. Like I've obviously rewatched Doctor Who like numerous times, but it's one of those things where I don't really hold on to that like yeah. information. Like I have too much else going on in my brain to remember like <laughs> the random episodes with Captain Jack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, uh, Jack is amazing, and it's it's if you are watching this for the first time and you're starting to like him, oh boy, you've got some more stuff to you come. Just wait. Which is really exciting. Let's talk about the um the sort of the threat of the week. So this whatever thingy is landed in the middle of London, and we meet the uh, the titular child almost straight away. Mm, yeah. With or uh, straight like straight away, the, the the child's voice is echoing through the streets of London. And the thing I find amazing about this sequence with the Doctor going into the uh, the speakeasy, it's basically a speakeasy, even though the UK didn't really have speakeasies. Um, I have no idea what they are, so sure, we'll just yeah. carry on like I've... <laughs> uh, and ask the question, if there's anything falling from the sky, and it's the war, they all start laughing. Um, how the Doctor, like, 
is so laser focused on working out what this thing is and making sure it hasn't hurt anyone and getting it out of there or whatever he's not taken the time to look at the TARDIS controls and realize where he is yeah but also I find it kind of funny how um he says like it fell about a month ago and yet he said like at the beginning that they were 40 seconds from crashing in the middle of London so the thing crashes and then by the time it takes him to get there it's already been a month I think How does that when he says work? 40 seconds for the centre of London, I think he means the time between where they are now, where the thing is now, and it hitting London. But because it's jumping yeah. time tracks, he was never going to like come out of the vortex at the exact same point that the Tula warship was. Oh, right. That's the bit that I got confused on. I was like, yeah. how do you one second be chasing something and then another second it's a month later? Like, I, mean, I think what? Rose even says that. Like, why is, like, how were you a month out? And he said it was jumping, it was jumping time tracks. It wasn't, it wasn't, it's not easy to follow. Right. Um, but yeah, and then we meet Nancy, played by uh, Florence Hoth. I love her. Like, so do I. I said to you, didn't I, when the episode came on? I've always loved her for some reason. I don't. I don't know whether it's the cute Cockney accent <laughs> or the fact that she's just an adorable little button of a of a person. Thing is, but you like, say adorable little button. I say kick ass bitch. Oh, I, she's both. <laughs> like absolutely both. She's like a kick ass bitch wrapped in an adorable little button. Mm. Uh, she's i i just love her i don't know what it is about her i don't know why i don't know whether it's because she's technically like the center of the episode yeah because i mean like obviously you get the kind of like obviously the doctor and rose and captain jack are like that's the story you're following but she is uh in it a lot like a lot a lot um and that's why i said that's why i think it's kind of like a video game because it's kind of like your main like she's the quest side yeah (laughs) the doctor the doctor's there the tardis phone is ringing he looks behind him and there's this girl with a big orange exclamation mark above her head and she's glowing (laughs) go and talk to nancy come over here and press square doctor come on (laughs) yeah i i love nancy like what she does um as the as herself in the in the sort of uh, the narrative, the, the narrative of the of the world, if that makes sense, like yeah. what she's doing within the war, is helping these kids. And the doctor obviously deduces, "Who did you lose, my brother?" Mm. Um, it's it's kind of heartfelt, and I'm not, I don't know, like the real specifics of the Second World War, but whether that were the, that was the case in the Second World War of kids running away from being evacuated and coming back to London to just live on the streets and stuff. Like, I have no idea whether that actually no happened. Idea. Um, but I mean, people in the we, comments who I may know the war better than us, let us know. Potentially, it probably. Oh, did. I'm sure I it mean, did. It would make sense that kids being taken out of what they taken out of their homes, yeah, would be very concerned because I'm not sure every single kid who got evacuated ended up with a wardrobe with Narnia in the back of it. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I, I love her character in the way that she sort of disappears and reappears and mm. sounds like she knows more than she does. And I think oh, she knows absolutely. she knows so much. But I think when like Dr. Constantine, who we'll get to, talked about her, I think he plays her up as someone who knows like 
everything that's everything. going on. And in reality, she's only hiding one thing, which again, we won't spoil. If but you it is know. kind of like a key. She, she is integral. The whole episode revolves around her. The whole mm-hmm. story revolves around her. That's why I said she's kind of like her. the main character. I mean, you meet her basically straight away. Like, there's only kind of like a few minutes after the start of the episode where obviously the doctor leaves the like club speakeasy whatever you called it yeah. thing finds a cat by the way yes the cutest little black and white cat thing cat thing it's obviously a cat it's not a cat thing um and she's literally just there it's kind of like oh who are you hello and then it's, she's just like kind of pivotal to yeah. i suppose it's kind of like she doesn't really know why what's happened has happened but she knows what's happened hence why she kind of comes over and it's like don't answer it it's not like really ringing it's not that she's like um, i know exactly what exact what is going on but just don't get involved mate just go yeah. away um but the fact that the doctor turns up and is kind of like ex like i don't know whether he helps explain stuff a bit for her and she's kind of like oh i think because he's reading the situation how she's seeing it because you can tell that Mm. nancy's a very very clever uh young woman so Mm -hmm. with him saying i want to know how a phone there isn't a phone gets a phone call like she's he's not just saying what's going on where she could just go nothing mate Go yeah. on with your day. Go get in the shelter. Stop whinging. Um, he's relaying things in the way that she thinks, which is, I think, is why she takes notice and doesn't just keep like pieing the doctor off. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, very, very, very quick segue about the doctor and the cat. Why is it whenever you talk about Doctor and the cats, people only think about when Tennant had kittens in uh, Gridlock in series three? Oh yeah. Can we please take I a moment think... to appreciate Eccleston uh, holding a cute black cat? I mean, literally, you stand there talking to it, and it's With just like... a little white like, paws. Hello, little kitty. I completely forgot about all kind of instances of cats in Doctor Who, um, even Gridlock. Um, but I just turned around and I went, oh, my God, it's a cat. Yeah. And I was just like, look at the little kitty. <laughs> this is the, these are the noises Amy makes when near a cat. And we have a cat. Or dogs. Cats or dogs. We have a cat that, com- that lives next door that sometimes finds a way into our garden. And Amy's just like, oh my god. Her name is Jelly Bean. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, not the point. Shout out to our neighbours if you're watching and realise, wait a minute, that's our cat. Talking about Nancy. We were talking about Nancy and how great she is. Um, She is great. She sends the Doctor off to see the Doctor, which I I think I very vividly remember hearing that and thinking, no. Series one, they're not going to do a multi-Doctor story. No. Like, two-thirds of the way through series one, are they? Surely. And obviously, no. no, they don't. I don't think that was even kind of, like, a thing It that wasn't I even going to be a thought. thing, but I think I think just the fact that she goes, the Doctor, and the Doctor's there going, wait, what? Eh? Like, also, who plays the the Doctor, not Richard like, Wilson. Because I feel like I recognise him oh, from Oh, you will. He's, played, he's done so much. He's a very, very established actor. Like, mm-hmm. obviously... John Barrowman is like pretty damn big now, but back then I'm not entirely really sure known, how big he really was. But I know that not Richard known Wilson to be like, oh my god, it's John Barrowman. Richard Wilson did some. He's done some, a lot of stuff. He did a. Uh, he did Merlin. Did oh, you watch Merlin? Laura did. I didn't. Yeah. Um, just having a look. It is. Uh, what films has he done? Nothing we'd really know apart from Nomeo and Juliet and Sherlock Gnomes. Oh, Jesus. I've, I've watched Nomeo and Juliet. There, actually. It's actually not awful. It's but not like, terrible. I watched it a good few years uh, ago he's when He's an old man, bless him. He's done quite a lot of stuff. He's done Father Ted. He was okay. in that. Um, but yeah, most people will know who he is because he's done so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and he plays Dr. Constantine, who is this, well, doctor at Albion Hospital who has managed to work out what he's seen. He's someone, again, kind of like Nancy, who's seen the impossible and just goes with it. Accepts it. Kind of like Rose. Kind of like Rose, exactly. He sees all these injuries, physical injuries, as plague. I love that Literally, I, I turned around to you line. when he was just like, oh, don't touch them because it's, it's in, like you'll get infected. I just was like, cough, coronavirus, cough. Yeah. <laughs> That's how is how we tell people to social distance. Just like if you touch them, you're gonna grow a goddamn gas mask on your face. Okay. Jesus, can you imagine if that was like the social distance, or you'll turn into this? Oh, that, ah. oh, no, but yeah, thank you. Dr. Constantine 
chatting to the doctor realizes that because nancy sent him that he realizes that this is a guy he can talk to about all of this and not be weirded out by it because he knows something's going on and he has the bit the part of this episode that it's like the definitive point of season one it is the single scariest moment of the entire series I love it. And that is when the Doctor realises all of these people, the gas masks, it's all flesh and bone. This this is how they are. Because he says to Rose and Jack, after this point, human DNA is being rewritten. Mm-hmm. So he realises that these people are creatures. They're not people with injuries. They are literally a new species a almost. A new being. And he does the whole right down to the scar on the back of the hand and there's the shot of him looking at his hand and there's a scar on it and it's like oh dear god that depth of field is literally like it literally just kind of encompasses there's a a tiny little focus pull on it and it's absolutely beautiful mm. um they do a lot to like fill the frame it's like slight maybe tight slight angles this one's not as uh like as skew if as the first as the phone shot but that you know there's that realization and then the doctor the doctor constantine realizes i'm he because he starts coughing and stuff and he's starting to change um nancy says it best in the next episode so it's forcing its way up your throat yeah and um he says like you need to find nancy again and you know i need to tell you this before i get you know, to the room in, in any other th- in any and... other medium it'd be before i bleed out and die i need to tell you what you need to do or whatever and then he here's proceeds, your next quest <laughs> yeah, he proceeds to grow a gas mask out of his mouth and on his face it was the eyes that got me the eyes went from like normal eyes to just these bulgy circles and i was like it's 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 hearing his 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 speech change Mm. he's getting more pain than then he goes mummy are you my mummy and it's like because you don't hear anybody else say that at this point until him him even when he wakes up the 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 corpses, the zombies, as they're probably Mummies. best known. They don't say anything; <laughs> they just sit up and lie down again. Um, mm-hmm. He's the first person to say, "Are you my mummy?" Apart from the child, and, and it's so creepy the way he does it because it's kind of like he's, he's like saying said, he's it pained. through like choking almost, mm-hmm. and it's ugh. and then the, the transformation happens, and the doctor just stands there like. I mean, he, it would be the sort like, of thing that you just couldn't take your eyes off. No. Like you can see this kind of disgusted, calculatedness, and then there's us just going, ah, like that's uh, the, like I said. Even though it's been so long that I'm much more accustomed to weird shit like that uh, now, uh, that scene still makes my skin crawl. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, I said to you, don't like modern Who. I say modern Who. Obviously, this is kind of this was modern Who, but like. You know, post Russell T Davies era, who um, you don't really get these horrific transformation scenes anymore. Like, no. what I want to see is somebody transforming into a disgusting monster. Like, this you don't like, get that anymore. This was as close as you got to like body horror in Doctor mm. Who. There are there are some other moments like that. Series Series Four has another moment that you could kind of be similar. Night Terrors in Series. <laughs> Five or six i can't remember exactly which one it is has a, a transformation scene that's a bit creepy it's not as like like gruesome as this mm. but there's stuff similar to that but yeah you're right doctor who is missing that kind of give us those things that are going to scare kids yeah like because that sequence as much as it is kind of tame to other stuff we've seen um that was so horrifically terrifying I mean, in as the a context kid. of the episode especially yeah like the idea that if you touch him because as much as it's known that you touch the kid you end up looking like that but how does it happen here it is and yeah, yeah. The, the thing being forced out of its mouth and blending with the lips and pushing his nose down and the black Ugh. like coming up his face and then as you say his eyes bulge into these like glass discs Oh, it's just so creepy. I had just an irrational fear of gas masks. I remember going to a war museum with school and just seeing a gas mask on the wall. That gas masks had a bunch of different designs. They didn't all look Mm -hmm. exactly like they did in The Empty Child. But seeing a gas mask was like, no, I'm out. Uh, No, I'm I'm done. I'm so done. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's horrific, that sequence. But it works so well to really hammer home that threat. Because like you said, you're creeped out by the kids' repetitive dialogue. And then when 
you see what happens mm-hmm. to you. That's the gas, when it becomes the gas a mask is fused to the flesh. Just the word flesh is yeah. so grim. Mm-hmm. It's then, not skin. It's flesh. It's flesh. And then you see that happen, and you realize this kid comes near you. Is it the same for all of them? I'm guessing so. Yeah. Well, that I mean, he happen- says, well, he says, don't he touch says the flesh, to Rose, yeah. you know, what happens if you touch it? You're looking at it. Yeah. So that sequence is horrific, and. That's the so only good. time we see it in full. There's a glimpse of it next time, but yeah. you don't see that happening constantly. You don't hear it. Actually, you know, you you kind of hear it happening as well. I mean, they I suppose it's one of those kind of things you don't. They don't overdo it, like with I was the about to exactly in, say, yeah. in the Slitheens when they were constantly unzipping their forehead. It was like yeah. we we get it. Like yeah. we know that this is how they transform. Whereas this is kind of like you see this really horrific sequence once, and you know the threat exists. So it's like it sticks to you this. more if you see it once or twice versus seeing it every time it's supposedly going to happen. Yeah. And that's like that scene. That's why, as I've said, that's the, one of the most iconic scenes of Doctor Who in series one. Maybe even in New Who overall, that transformation transformation sequence is yeah. just so horrifying. I mean, I said to you at the start of the episode because when before we started watching this, Rich goes, "It's mauve and dangerous," and I was like, "What?" And then yeah. obviously, worked out he was quoting the episode. But I sort of said, like, I remember the episode as kind of like a whole. Like, obviously, I remember the basic plot of like the empty child being like you know spoilers but um like i the one bit that i sort of do distinctly remember is the doctor in the hospital surrounded mm-hmm. by all these gas mask things are transforming like if you sort of said like what happens in the empty child i'd be like oh the doctor weird creepy yeah. um but i probably wouldn't really be able to tell you much else that happens other than kind of like I mean, now I would, obviously, because I've just rewatched it. But, like, you know, after watching it sort of three years ago, it's one of those things that's like, oh, I know there's a gas mask kid, and I know that, like, the Doctor gets creepily transformed, and I know that Rose flirts with Jack a lot. But, like, I wouldn't be able to tell you, like, Nancy's quips, like, who she is as a character, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, it's like you said, it's one of those scenes that sticks with you because it's one of the scenes I actually always remember from it. Yeah. And yeah, that that whole sequence is fantastic. We've got a question here from Hannah Forster, which is interestingly something I was actually looking for uh, in this rewatch of the episode, uh, which is when watching it, I tried to see if the hospital doctor had the scar from the start of the scene or if he'd only uh. developed it before the close-up shot. Now, it's never really explained as to when the infection will take over. He doesn't really say. He talks about how it's spread throughout the hospital and that like one of the last things he's saying before he transforms is there are isolated cases about London. Um, it's never overtly explained as to how long it is before the transformation happens. It's it's explored next week. Thing. It's explored next week about how the the child the the the, the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase, has some sort of power control over these zombies. But whether he has any kind of play in the transformation sequence, we don't know. Because uh, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was watching it and I was thinking, I wonder how long it has actually been since he touched one of them. Because yeah. obviously being a doctor, I don't know whether he touched a lot of them or whether he realised sooner because obviously... And realized, then just tried yeah. to avoid it. So obviously he must have just like caught one of them or something. Like I wonder if it was just before like the doctor went see because obviously nancy says you need to go and speak to the doctor but she wouldn't know that he was sort of halfway through transforming would she or mm. like you know so i reckon it was one of those things where he maybe has touched them like say an hour or so yeah before maybe quite, quite soon but yeah the doctor i want to say that i th- i think you can see a tiny glimpse of it on because he's, he's it's his uh right hand the one he uses for his cane yeah i feel like you see a really really brief glimpse of it maybe it'd be something you have to go back and check like frame by frame mm-hmm. but i think the idea is that the the scar is all has always been on his hand since he's been appearing in the actual show like when yeah. the doctor meets him he's already got the scar um so i can't tell whether like you whether hannah means whether it's like a production gaff of like they didn't put the makeup on his hand right. until they were going to do the close-ups like or whether it's literally thing. a case of it like appears on his hand like imagine the, the constantine like puts his hand to his hand and then sort of goes oh god yeah. it's there now oh no um or whether it's been there the whole time i want to yeah i think it's been there the whole time i personally and do think because it's he's, kind of like he's a... coughing before he's even sat down i think 
he realizes that he's going to change and he's probably quite thankful probably why he's so open to the doctor that somebody else who's got a rough idea what's going on has the opportunity to try and continue whatever Mm. he's trying to do whatever whatever he's trying to work out what's going on he has somebody he can say this is everything i know but in literally however long i'm gonna be completely useless i'm basically gonna be dead because i mean i love i've always loved that throwaway throw god i can't speak i've always (laughs) loved that throwaway line where he says um oh you don't sound well and he goes oh dying i should think dying, it's like, i should I'm think sorry, what you're just so casual about <laughs> i this. used to be a father and a grandfather now i am neither oh it's so Ugh. it's so sad as well like i try to make them comfortable and he's like mm. he's just trying his best in a situation where he's got no idea what to do the doc this you know poor, he's a doctor poor he's, man. he's gonna have to he, he does everything he can and to see where things go from here it's you know yeah it's okay. bless him but that's the sequence that leads into Jack meeting the Doctor and then he revealing it's a, it's all a con. Um, I find it cool that like Rose just goes along with the whole time agency thing. Just like, yeah. Mm, I sort of feel like sure. she... I think she maybe kind of knew, like, not knew, like, obviously she's, you know, kind of new to the whole thing and she might not know everything, but, like, mm. I feel like maybe she had some sort of inkling that he was kind of wooing her to try and get one over on her like she obviously wasn't she was fully invested in the wooing but like she wasn't so invested in the whole bargaining thing hence why she was like i'm sorry were you talking like you know she had no kind of obviously she's kind of conning him he's kind of conning her and so it's like a big old kind of like circle of just like oh what's that you want me to go and take you to my leader okay let's, let's go, go see, go and mr. see my leader mr spock <laughs> yeah of course we'll give you the money for the ship lol um so it's like you know i feel like she kind of has that attitude of just like i know that you're probably like not i'm not i'm not really interested in what you're doing we're not gonna buy anything off you like mm. so i suppose like, in a i'm way, a bit in too deep now him. yes let's go find the doctor that's why i'm gonna name drop him a lot to yeah be like yeah there's another person here there's another person here he'll know what to do mm-hmm. and then lo and behold like jack just comes out and says yeah i'm conning you everything's fine i have nothing to do with this oh god We've been cornered by gas mask zombies. Oh, no. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. Uh, and that's where the episode ends on a cliffhanger with Nancy stuck under a table uh, with yeah. the child inside the room who can close doors with his finger. Yeah, that's that never weird, really explained. Like, that weird sound that... effect of... <laughs> and it just closes the door and it's like, oh, okay. Like I, I sort think... of, I don't really get how that works. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's kind of like a telepathic field. I think it is like I, th- I think it's we, we can talk about it more with like the explanation to everything next week mm-hmm. when when the, the the episode's been resolved. I think it's something to do with what happened to Jamie, right? Um, mm-hmm. So and his you know quote unquote relationship to his sister. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's and then that's probably how it's, it's explained. And yeah, Nancy's against the door. The child's walking towards her. She's going, oh no, I'm going to become one of them. Oh and no, it's... the Dr. Jack and Rose are being cornered by lots of gas packs zombies, including Dr. Constantine, who's transformed. And they're going, oh no, I'm going to become like them. And then it ends. It's one of those cliffhangers that's like, oh, I wonder how they get out of this one. It's like, yeah. you know, they're obviously going to, but like, it's how that is like the, like, I love how they escape it. Like, I think yeah. it's quite cool. Um, no spoilers, obviously. But like, it is one of those kind of cliffhangers where it's like, we're in the middle of the series. Like, we all know you're going to survive. But... It, it's, it's Doctor Who. We all know they're going to survive. Thankfully, mm. the uh, the next time trailer is um, at the after the credits yeah which may have been re-edited pretty quickly because i'm pretty certain that the uh post the the next time after aliens of london is like straight after the episode mm-hmm. ends you get the doc two type logo come flying past and then the uh the next time starts and i'm pretty certain that was criticized back oh, yeah in the Cause day because a lot like, of people don't want to know what the next yeah they don't get given the option gonna... to to go yeah i'm not going to see this i'm not going to watch not going to look um, they play this after the credits. Of course, we watched it again because we know exactly how it We know what happens anyway. and it doesn't um, matter, but... It's a, it's an exciting next time, but it's it's a fantastic cliffhanger at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it for it. And it's, I remember watching it through the first time and thinking, like being so paranoid that 
I was going to have to watch that transformation again this episode oh. because they're getting cornered and then it ended and I'm like, oh, thank God. But also, damn, I have to wait a week to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? Damn. It's always the waiting. I hate like having to wait for another episode of something you really enjoy. Like, I think that's binge culture for you now, though, isn't it? Like, we're so used to having Netflix and like Disney Plus and like, you know, all these kind of other streaming services that are just it's all there but like when something releases weekly it's it's great like obviously i love the you pace yourself with it and it lasts longer um yeah and it is that kind of thing of like oh yeah yeah it's this is out i've got another episode of this to watch yeah um but also it is that kind of thing of like god i just want to watch it now i mean it's actually quite nice because we've actually had that with this podcast we've had people say to us that they really really enjoy it we had a tweet only the other day i think uh a guy and his son watch it listen to it together like i don't know whether it's a guy or a girl but somebody a parent and their son uh tweeted us saying like they're re-watching or they're introducing their son to doctor who for the first time and they're re-watching nine together and that this they found the podcast and that this was going to be like a great way for them to kind of like listen to us talk about it while rewatching it with their son and i thought that was really nice it's really nice yeah there's a and i've got a few people i know who are watching the uh, episodes with us with the podcast and they're going i just want to keep watching but i know that if i do i'll have to wait for the podcast i want to try and do both at the same time it's just like god damn it i mean lucky for us it's wednesday and we'll be watching the next one probably on sunday we've only got like three or four days but and so have you so you know you you haven't got much longer to get uh, to wait until you get to the next one but um to wrap things up today i've got two more questions Blimey. one of them is another from jb asking if there's any monster you think is scarier than the empty child for me that's no i mean weeping angels for me yeah. but like they're what i th- like i've already said they were always kind of the ones for me who were like absolutely cacking myself like yeah. i just distinctly remember watching that episode and literally for about i must have been probably a solid month afterwards just not wanting to blink like ever <laughs> like at all yeah um and yeah just horrifying absolutely horrifying so that would be my answer for that one i think yeah for me it's it's still the empty child there is one other uh enemy in doctor who that scared me as much as the empty child which i kind of forgot about when mm-hmm. we were talking about this last year yeah, you'll find out oh um, no i want to know <laughs> uh, you'll find out when we get to it uh, that, that got that, that stuck in my head as much as the empty child because as I've said this before the weeping angels didn't do that to me. Oh, they uh, but another I just hated them. Another like enemy. the first episode anyway, like the rest of them. Nah, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get like... to, we'll get to just literally crapping on mm, the next the three angels. episodes that are fully dedicated to the weeping angels and how much they mm-hmm. shouldn't have ever been made. Um, but we'll the get only... to that. The only other monster that I potentially think has that kind of scare factor, and it comes back to the same thing. I've said this to you already, Rich, but like it comes back to the same thing of just that repetition over and over and over again is Silence in the Library with the Vashta Narada. That's what it is um, for me. Oh, it's hey, who, turn- hey well. who turned out the lights? Just yeah. no. The, the, then the skull inside the helmet the skeleton. and sort of oh. shuffling around saying, hey, who turned mm-hmm. out the lights? absolutely it is not. the vashta narada isn't it that it is vashta narada yeah. yeah that's one of the again one of the kind of main enemies i like remember I said, because it's like don't touch the shadows it's such a non-palpable thing to be mm. able to to have to avoid like shadows how can you avoid shadows like and then the whole thing of like having two shadows as being like the kind of like realization point of like oh you're infected whoops yeah it's, it is quite scary that's the mm. only other one that really got to me like i said before the, the weeping angels back in 2007 for some reason just didn't get me as much Ooh, i think they were like jumpy them. i think for me the thing that scares me more personally is stuff that sticks in your head a jump scare doesn't no see i hate being chased the I thing for do, me yeah. is like literally if I'm say for example I'm watching someone play a game and they have to run away You're watching from me something, playing Dead by Daylight. I will squeal yeah. like little baby pig because I hate being chased. Like being chased is one of the most awful I don't know why, I just I was, hate it. <laughs> I was uh, going to use this opportunity to plug myself. Uh, I was streaming <laughs> Alien Isolation uh, 
a while ago during May for Saint Jude oh, Play yes. Live over on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Richie is live. I stream three days Casual a week, Tuesday, plug. Thursday, Saturday. I'm allowed to plug it because hey, hey. And sure. uh, Amy was watching in the next room and I was playing Alien Isolation, which I'd never played before. And I wasn't that because I'd, I'd, I hadn't, I've never played it. I've never really dug deep into the game, but I know the mechanics of it. So I'm just kind of like, mm. oh no, I know it's there. And it wasn't getting me as much as I thought. And then in the next room, I can hear Amy squealing because you're watching it's me. Just... And then all of a sudden you see like a, you see like, uh, like a tiny breath of the alien and they just hear <laughs> from the next room because Amy's like seen it and she's going I, I can just, see her doing I don't like, like shaking it. And the, uh, but yeah I can't do it I can understand that but that, that's what we'd say to uh, for your question JB and finally from um, Seto Kaiba on Twitter I hope I haven't completely butchered that apologies uh, they ask what do you think about the line are you my mummy uh We'll get to that next week, specifically for me, uh, being echoed by future doctors, i.e. 10 saying it in Poison Sky or 12 saying it in Mummy on the Orient Express. Oh, I love it. I love it when they kind of flash back to that little like, are you my mummy? And it's like, hey, self-reference. Yeah, like, self-reference I find is good. it really funny um, but- because it's kind of like... A, that is something that, like, you know, we've all kind of experienced. But also it reminds you of stuff that you've, like, f- sort of forget. Like, as you get through, like, the later series of Doctor Who, I find that you kind of forget a lot of the earlier stuff. It's why um, when we've been going through this series, watching, like, Father's Day, we've forgotten so much about yeah. it. There's little, little, little nods that remind you of what was before. But, mm-hmm. like, you're saying that in such a, like, an almost nostalgic way. For me, it was like, you, get, you know, David Tennant's wearing the gas mask in The Poison Sky, and he's like, are you my mummy? Uh, as a joke to the uh, the unit general yeah. and i'm there going oh yeah i remember that that was when i couldn't sleep and oh <laughs> no oh, i loved no. it i was That's, i just kind of me, like, hey. like when when 12 did it in more in mummy of the orient express which is obviously a lot later mm-hmm. i was like oh that's a good joke but back in series four when 10 said are you my mummy i was like nope I'm still oh. not over. I'm still not okay. I think it's the fact that it was with the gas mask as well. Because like in um, Capaldi, when he says it on Mummy on the Orient Express, which I actually quite liked as an episode. I think it's way, a great episode. Yeah. Um, he uh, he kind of says it like in jest to the fact that there's a mummy and it's like, yeah. are you my mummy? Whereas Tennant said it with a gas mask on. So it's like, oh God, no. Please, oh. no. Oh. So I, I, I think it's it's cool when the show references itself, but for that line specifically, more so series four than series what was it? A whatever it was for Mummy eight, Mummy Express. I think maybe. it might have been eight. Eight um, or nine. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But that that's that was that. So that has been part one of this two part story, The Empty Child. Uh, ranking out of ten, Amy. Oh, um, I'd say it's a good. Eight. I think the reason I've not gone higher is because I know what's in the next episode. And so that would kind of be like, if it was all in one, so like it was a two hour special, mm. then I'd say it was like a probably like pretty up there. Like, I'm not sure if I'd give it a 10. Maybe I would, because like it's one of those that's like really like said sticks with you. Um, but I'd probably maybe give it like a 9.5 if it was like a whole thing. But like I'd say this episode on its own, an 8, just because like it's the it's precursor half, yeah. to what's coming next. But the shots are beautiful. The story really like introduces characters. Like the characters are, there's so few characters as well. That is one of the cool things about this episode. It's another one of these does not much, but does so much. And it, it's, it's, like, it's such a big uh, setting. But it doesn't it. try and introduce loads of characters. Much as you've got the kids, there mm. you see them They're once like in this episode, characters. and you see it once in the next episode. But like, yeah. it's selling such a big story on such a small scale, and that really works. It goes to show what Moffat can do mm-hmm. when you don't give him an entire series. What would you uh, rate it? Uh, I'd personally either rate it a ten or a complete nope. I'm probably going to go for a complete <laughs> nope out of ten. A uh, complete nope, which a is higher nope than a ten. Yeah, exactly. But. That has been episode nine of Escaping Kerberos. Let us know what you thought about The Empty Child, either in the comments below, or you can find us on Twitter at WhoCulture. If you've got any questions regarding the future of the series, or more specifically, The Doctor Dances, please let us know at WhoCulture on Twitter, using the hashtag Escaping Kerberos. But 
until we see you again, which won't be very long because, you know, we've, mm-hmm. we've, we've recorded this quite late this week. Uh, have a fantastic rest of your week and a weekend. If you want to find me on the old socials, you can do so on Twitter. I am at PickupChangeToe. And you can find me at at Ames underscore Elizabeth. At at. There are two ats in your name. You're super exclusive on Twitter. You have to put at in twice to find Ames. At at Ames underscore Elizabeth then. There you go. Fixed it. But until we see you and continue our romp through the Second World War, take care of yourselves and we will see you very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Signing off. (laughs) (laughs) Signing off. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.